0: Hello. I hope you're having a great day so far. Before we get to our amazing guest, I wanted to just do a quick creative check-in. And I think this is something I'm going to start doing at the top of every show, just kind of one creative revelation I've had in the last week. And I want to start sharing your creative check-ins on our social page and also on the show. So send them in and we'll start sharing them and start supporting each other and Kind of creating one big mastermind alliance so we can all achieve our creative dreams. So, mine for this week is first of all, amazing gratitude, overwhelmed with gratitude and just love for the incredible outpouring of support that I've seen in the past week. Jen was so generous to share the show. You've all been so wonderful and posting and reposting about it. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. It's terrifying putting out something that you love this much. I think of it as a birth of sorts. You're birthing your creativity into the world. And so thank you for supporting me and and catching me like that. It it means a lot and I just hope you know that I feel the same way about you and what you're doing and I can't wait to create and build out this community so we can all support each other. But one thing I have noticed that's really interesting is that I'm just happier this week in everything I did, whether it was just my job or interactions, I was walking with a little extra pep in my step because I knew I did something for myself. I knew I took a step toward believing in myself and building my self-esteem and my self-confidence. And it was really powerful. So if you're sitting there and you're teetering on, "Mm, I don't know if I should put something out, do it. And even if it doesn't do exactly what you want it to do, taking that vote of confidence in yourself will be a really important step toward your self-esteem, your efficacy, your belief in yourself, your self-love, your self-respect for sure. Making something happen that you've been dreaming of is a major moment. And you deserve that. So yeah, if, if you can take a vote of confidence for yourself, I don't even know if I'm using that the right way. <laughs> take a vote of confidence. Take a vote of confidence. Just do it. Okay. Now to our guest. Gala Darling is a speaker, best-selling author, manifestation expert, social media maven, and truly one of the most unique and bold souls I've met. Born in New Zealand, Gala grew up with dreams of becoming a writer. And she was an innovator. I mean, to give you perspective, she literally started blogging in 1996 when dial-up was still the king of the internet. After a pit stop in Australia, she moved to New York City with one suitcase when she was just 24 years old. During this time, she used radical self-love and a method called tapping, which you'll learn all about later, to heal from an eating disorder and depression. Since then, she's been teaching self-love, manifestation, and self-empowerment through her writing, coaching, and personal website to help people transform their lives. Her method helps you to find your voice, live without fear, and fall in love with life.
1: Radical self-love is a process of asking yourself, whether what you believe is true. Maybe you tell yourself a story that like that you're a shy person and it's about looking at that belief. So say I'm shy for example and then asking yourself well where did this idea come from? Is this something that my parents have told me? Is this something my friends told me? Where in my life am I shy? And then ask yourself well where in my life am I not shy? Like when do I come out of my shell? What brings me alive? And Just asking yourself, do I want to hold on to these stories? Would it be more powerful for me to tell myself something different? I first met
0: Gala through my work on Girl Boss Radio. She walked in the room with this bright purple hair and this powerful, strong, grounded energy. I knew right away she was special. I wanted to share her with you because mindset is such a big part of the battle when it comes to achieving your creative dreams. And she has so much insight on how to overcome fear and start enjoying life. From our conversation, you'll learn how to stop planning and start executing, how to follow joy, develop radical self-love, better self-talk, and overcome your fear of failure. It is an action-packed episode. So let's get to it. Here's Gala Darling. I want to know, what did you want to be growing up?
1: I wanted to be anything creative. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a spy. It was a very imaginative.
0: spy? Fuck yes. Where did that come from?
1: I think I read maybe Harriet the Spy and I was like, oh, she's amazing. Classic. And then I read some books about spies in the war or something and I was like, this is totally what I want to do with my life. But... Anything creative. And especially being a writer, like I would write short stories and I would basically make them into little books. So I would draw a front cover. I would draw a barcode on the back. I would staple them together. It was like a full You drew a barcode? Yeah, I'm really. Oh my intense.
0: gosh, that's amazing. Well, th- that kind of maybe started your visualization back then, though. Yeah, without for sure. even knowing what you were doing. Yeah, you were doing it.
1: I have a. I have so many things that I did as a kid that were setting me up to create this life, and I had no idea I was even doing it. Where do you think that innate knowledge came from? I think my mother taught me a lot of that. She always believed in visualization and affirmations and that you could create anything and be anything. And I think I just noticed how she did things and sort of took it in my own way.
0: And you just talked about your mom. I think a lot of how we end up has to do with our background, whether we Mm -hmm. rebel against that or we go toward it. So how do you think your culture and the way your parents raised you influence the way you look at yourself and creativity?
1: It's influenced everything about it. You know, my parents are both entrepreneurial. They both have their own businesses. When I was a kid, I remember my father telling me the only way to live your life is to have your own business because then no one else can tell you how much money you can make. And... He's very, he's a Capricorn. So, anyone who's into astrology knows like he's very into the material that's important to him. And then, my mother always said that if you do what you love, it will never feel like a stress. It will never be pressure. It will be joyful and you can make it whatever you want. So, that really helped me. But there's a caveat as well because parents want to protect you, they want to make sure you're safe and provided for. So, when I was about 13 or 14, it always talked about wanting to be a writer. And then, when I got to my teenage years, the message i got was you're not going to make any money doing that you need to do something practical what else are you going to do and my father thought i should be a journalist i was like wow i really don't want to just report on life that sounds so boring right i wanted to have a voice i wanted to be creative i mm-hmm. wanted to bring joy to what i was doing and i didn't see that as a joyful activity for me and that actually i think really spiraled me into the start of my depression that I dealt with for about 10 years after that, where I felt like what I really wanted to do, I wouldn't be able to do. And it really unraveled me. Well,
0: first of all, I'm so sorry you dealt with that because fear is such a burden, and it's a burden so many of us deal with. And that was definitely a primary messaging I got as a kid. Like my parents were like, we believe in you. Do whatever you want. Be careful. <laughs> <Right>? So <laughs> it' was like, uh, which one do I choose? Right. And I think that's something I still teeter-totter with. So I want to learn from you how you pushed through that and got on the other side of it. And also tips for people
1: who are creative but dealing with depression. Absolutely. So – Basically, through my teenage years and into my early 20s, I was exactly where you're at. So I was creative, but I was dealing with depression. And I was still creating because I couldn't not create. But the stuff I was creating was pretty depressing. I was writing like really sad love stories about like my life that sucked. So I left high school a year early and went to university and studied, but didn't know why I wanted to be there and thought like, I don't want to waste my money studying something that I don't even know what I'm doing so I left and I started working and I worked a million different jobs and basically hated pretty much all of them except I worked in a lush cosmetic store and I got to cut up soap and And
0: lush looks like you and we're gonna get (laughs) into
1: your aesthetic but you're just very colorful and bright right like lush is a fun company to work for for sure But it was the only job that I really enjoyed. And I also knew that working in someone else's retail business was not going to be my future. I knew there was something else. And essentially, the way that I broke through it was from having the experience of working for other people and realizing that that just wasn't going to work for me. And when I moved to Australia in 2006, I really wanted to start a magazine but had no money. And I thought, okay, well, I'll start a blog and I'll see how it goes. And I've basically been doing that ever since. And it's just transmuted and changed based on what I was interested in or what the market was kind of showing me for the last 13 years. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people
0: are like, you have to have a plan before you start something. And Mm -hmm.
1: I think we kind of get obsessed with the planning
0: stages and then don't act. Mm -hmm. So what's your advice for somebody who's kind of caught in the planning and how did you just like make the decision to go? Did you have a big plan for the blog or were you just like, I'm going to write and see what happens?
1: Well, planning is procrastination, right? Right. So it's very easy to be in that place of thinking about what you want it to be. How is it going to work? What are the steps going to be a- as a way of delaying taking action? And so we have to be really mindful that we're not just staying in that place of procrastination. So my vision was just, I wanted to start a magazine and. My vision for it, you know, at the time, 2006, blogging was very specific. If you had a blog, it was about one subject. It was about critiquing celebrities' outfits or it was about blogging or it was about football or some shit. (laughs) And I always thought of my my blog as – Like a magazine, you know, like Vogue and Cosmopolitan have pretty much the same content, but it's catered to a different person. And I thought, if I'm interested in so many different things, then the people who are like me will be interested in those things too. So I can talk about self-help and I can talk about fashion and I can talk about travel and they will like it because it's all the same viewpoint. And that was really the vision that I had. But beyond that, I really didn't know where it was going to go. I was just following what was joyful for me and I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed like I had been online journaling since 1996. So Holy I, cow,
0: you were right. ahead of your time. Yeah,
1: so I basically had 10 years of work experience, but I just didn't know it at the time and <laughs> at the time it was like stuff I would like get fired from jobs for because I was like on live journal when I should have right. been working. But it actually helped me uncover my voice, how to talk to an audience, how to figure out what people wanted to hear. And Yeah. I was so excited to have a blog and for it to be my full-time thing. I was writing like five articles a day, every day. I had so much to say. I was so excited to be doing it. And I think that comes through when you're really passionate and you're excited. And I know I made a lot of mistakes and I still do, but the passion carried me through. And when you're enjoying yourself and having fun, it's unavoidable. Like you're going to grow, you're going to get bigger because people are so drawn to passion and fun. You talked about how you speak to a specific person. Mm-hmm. How do you figure
0: out who that person is when you're starting up a business or you're you know right making an album, a podcast? How do you figure out who your specific audience is?
1: I've never, you know, sat down and written up a um, you know customer avatar or anything like that. but I really think of my audience as being people like me who like doing the kinds of things that I do. And when I started my blog, I was writing a lot about self-help and my discoveries in that realm, and I was sort of writing for myself five years ago. Mm. And that was the easiest thing for me to do at that time, to think about, okay, what is she struggling with? Where could she use a little bit of help? What can I share?
0: So something you talk about now, which is something you're an expert on, is radical Mm self-love. So when did it kind of shift into that being the umbrella through which everything filters through?
1: Well, basically, um, in 2006, I was able to essentially dismantle my eating disorder overnight and get rid of my depression, which was absolutely amazing. And when I did that, the world just looked completely different. And I thought, wow, the world is so beautiful. And I've been wasting my time feeling so shitty, like I could have experienced so many other beautiful things during this 10-year period. And... So when I started my blog, which was that same year, I was really writing from this very joyful perspective. And the blog started as kind of a fashion blog. I just wanted to talk about style. Like, because my depression had just ended, I was like, oh, I don't want to wear black anymore. I want to wear color. So let's talk about that. And so I was writing about that. And I would start to get questions from people saying, like, you know... Um, How do I feel confident in my clothing? Like what jeans should I wear? You know, like I hate my legs. Like what kind of jeans should I wear? And I thought, you know, I can give you like technical advice on slimming hemlines and shit like that, but what will really help you is if you feel good about yourself. And so I started to write about my experiences with depression, eating disorders, dealing with that, the healing modalities I'd used. And that's where it kind of started to evolve to be about radical self-love. And how do you define radical self-love? What does that mean? Radical self-love is a process of asking yourself whether what you believe is true. Oh, shit. Can you give an example? (laughs) I'm scared but excited. Totally. Like, maybe you tell yourself a story that, like, you always quit at things, that, like, you never finish anything or you know, you're you're not determined, or maybe the story you tell yourself is that you're a shy person. And it's about looking at that belief. So say I'm shy, for example, and then asking yourself, well, where did this idea come from? Is this something that my parents have told me? Is this something my friends told me? Um, where in my life am I shy? And then ask yourself, well, where in my life am I not shy? Like, when do I come out of my shell? What brings me alive? And just asking yourself, do I want to hold on to these stories? Would it be more powerful for me to tell myself something different? And, you know, the story that you're a quitter is a story that will really hold you back. It'll stop you from starting things because you already believe you're going to quit. But if you can look at your life, like comb through your life and see, okay, there's definitely some things you've stuck with. You stuck with life, There's the first one, I'm sure there's other things you've stuck with. Maybe you still have a dog that you've been taking care of for 12 years. Maybe there's a, you're vegan and you've been vegan for five years. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Like you need to look at the pieces of evidence that tell you something positive, that tell you something different, and start to claim those for yourself. Because we really are running these unconscious beliefs all the time and they instruct what we do. And it keeps us locked into patterns of behavior that are disempowering or that keep us small or you know, stop us from trying the things we really want to do. And it's a fucked and it's such a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So we need to learn to ask ourselves those questions and most people don't even think to do that. And I think a great thing that you said is look at those things you've done
0: that – don't tell the story of what you've been playing over and over in your head that's holding you back. And you can kind of take the thesis statement of whatever it is, like the way you've approached that Mm -hmm. and just apply it to different areas of your life. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And something I like to do with my clients is we'll sit down and come up with a list of the five things they think most often that are like painful to think about. So like um, maybe one of those beliefs would be like, I'm too weird. Like people don't like me because I'm weird." But then what you do with that belief, once you've written it down, is you think of five things that combat that thought. So maybe one of those thoughts is like, but my favorite people are weird people. And like all the people that I look up to are weird people. And the people that achieve great things in life are weird people. And so you start to just look at this belief you have and twist it on its head. Because often the things that we tell ourselves, we would never say that to a friend. If a friend is like, I think I'm fucking too weird that people don't like me. You'd be like, but the reason I love you is because you're weird. Like, you keep my life so interesting. So we need to question these things really rigorously. And like you said, apply them to all areas of our life.
0: Yeah. I I totally, I mean, I'm going to start employing that today. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. But one thing you mentioned that I think is really interesting and something that I went through is the all black thing. Mm-hmm. I went through a depression. I'm literally in my life. wearing. All I mean, black I love right black still, <laughs> but that's a choice for you now. Yeah. Whereas, like before, I feel like for me it was a trap. Like mm-hmm. I realized I went through a period in my life where I was so disassociated with who I truly was in my gut and my soul, and I stopped wearing color. Mm-hmm. And this was like a little girl who I used to wear red leather pants to school in sixth grade and like <sighs> cheetah print and boas. Like I was, I mean, weird. You know or a bad
1: bitch i was a I was were. a bad
0: bitch I really I look up to my twelve year old self a lot I love but that. I went through a phase where I were nothing but black, mm-hmm. and I think it's really important to notice those things that might just seem like oh it's just whatever that 's just what I'm wearing right now. Those are clues to what 's going on with you inside mm-hmm. so it's really important, and just something as simple as bringing color back in helps you breathe the life back into yourself,
1: it really does and like you said, you know, asking yourself those questions like, oh, is this just what I like? Or it's like, actually, no. Am I trying to hide? Am I trying to be small? Am I trying to look skinny? Am Mm -hmm. I this, that, the other thing? And it's so funny you bring that up because literally the first article I ever wrote on my blog was called Fashion Help for Recovering Goths. And it was about how to bring color into your wardrobe. Seriously. And I was like, if you love red, just wear like a red brooch or a red hat. Like just work it in yeah, slowly. and dip your
0: toe in the color dip pool. Dip
1: your toe. <laughs> and you'll notice how good it feels to you. Color has vibration. It changes right. how you feel. And this like living room that we're sitting in, there's so much pink in here. There's neon lights. There's LED floodlights and mirror balls and like the Even color. Even your
0: pots and pans. She's got a beautiful hanging dish rack with these gorgeous blush pink pots and pans.
1: Which you may notice have literally never been used. Hey. But they look beautiful. They're looking great. (laughs) Who cares? They're an
0: art fixture as far as I'm concerned.
1: Creativity (laughs) abounds in
0: your place. And something else that I've noticed about you, I was stalking your Instagram, which is very inspirational. I recommend everybody follow you. It's just at Gala Darling, right? So... You have such an aesthetic, and I think that's so important for a creative person, especially someone who is looking to attract a tribe, mm-hmm. to show people like what your insides basically look like. How did you go about developing that, and what are your tips for other people who are trying to develop theirs?
1: This is such a good question. For me personally, it has really been a process of evolution. Like if I had started my Instagram back when I started my blog, it would be a hot mess probably. But I'm sure I would have figured it out by now. But it has taken time, absolutely. But there are some things that are constant in my style, like the colors that I like. You know, pink, purple, blue, those are my colors, um, and black and white and gray. And even the shift between the last apartment I had in New York and this one are so different. And my style is always evolving. You know, this apartment or this house is very, in some ways, I think of it as being kind of minimal. I don't have a lot of stuff everywhere. I don't have art all over the walls yet, although I will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my place in New York had so much stuff in it. And so... It's a continual process. And I also think that the more comfortable you get with your style, the less you need. Mm. So when I was first experimenting with wearing color back in 2006, I would put on, I would wear like one, two dresses over the top of each other, over leggings with bunny ears and like a sweatband (laughs) around my wrist and two sets of pearls. And it was a lot. And now I don't need as much to say what I'm trying to say. Right. So I think it's definitely a process for everybody, but the more confident you become with it, the less ornamentation you'll need. Right. And I think it's like that with everything. I even think it's like that with writing, with the design of your blog, all of that stuff. Like simplicity really speaks volumes about your confidence level.
0: Yes, 100%. Because I don't know if you know this about me. I'm also a songwriter. Okay, And so when I first started writing music, I was like, how many words can I fit in a song? (laughs) And it was a mouthful. And it it was, you know, good. It was immature in some ways. But now I don't feel the need to like add a metaphor and like sparkles over here, musical sparkles. It's like it can just be... A story about the truth mm-hmm. you know but when we're going through that creative process and first finding our voice it's going to be messy like you said Absolutely. and there's going to be a lot more than you need yeah. but that's okay yeah it's totally okay you start uncovering and unveiling
1: the essence of what's really there right. as time goes on right and the beginning of any creative process is basically just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks mm-hmm. what do you like what do you enjoy how does it work And although one thing I would say for people who are kind of thinking about, you know, what's my aesthetic? What's my style? Look at what's in your closet. What do you like to wear? Look at your Pinterest. What have you pinned? What are the colors that show up? What are the silhouettes that show up? What are the styles that show up? I mean, it will tell you so much. Even if you just look at like what's in your house, what do you have on the wall? It's going to tell you so much about what is your style. You speak a
0: lot about confidence. That was a big part of our what we
1: just spoke of. You have an incredible speech about
0: it too. It's confidence, creativity, and prosperity. I think. I think so, yeah. Everyone should go look it up. I'll um I'll post a link to it at some point. But you know, confidence is so important to letting your creativity spill out. And I think there's a lot, there's a myth that, oh, to be creative, you need to be depressed and you need to be like self-deprecating. And that's just not true. And in fact, I think it hinders you in a lot of ways. So what has your experience been with building confidence? How have you done it? And how do you think it's aided you in producing creativity?
1: These are such great questions. And I love what you said about people believe you have to be depressed or miserable to create art. And I believed that for a really long time. And it's what um, caused me to resist getting happy for so long. I was worried. I was so unhappy, and I wasn't eating, but I also believed that if I got happy, I wouldn't have anything to write about. I thought I would be boring if I was happy, and it really stopped me from looking at my healing, and what do I need, and what will make me feel good, and now I realize that happiness and joy and confidence really just creates all this momentum. And when you feel good, you can't help but create beautiful things. It just happens. Whereas when you're depressed, it's like, it's hard to get out of bed. How are you going to write a fucking book? It's never going to happen. So my belief is that happier people create more beautiful things. And The other thing is, it's not like if you get happy or learn to love yourself that you are not going to have conflict in your life. Because obviously, you know, conflict does create great art, but you're going to have conflict and contrast in your life no matter how happy you are, no matter how settled in yourself you are. So you never have to worry that there's going to be a lack of inspiration. There's always going to be stuff that... Just choosing to be happy sometimes creates conflict. Absolutely. People are so triggered by it. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, that does create create, there's always movement there. So that's not something that you have to worry about. Wait, what was the original And then how question? did you cultivate your
0: confidence? Because <laughs> right. you give people a lot of tips on that. I think that's something that so many of us are lacking and that keeps us from so much joy. So how do we cultivate confidence?
1: I wish I had like these silver bullet answers, but it really is a process. For me, tapping has been really helpful and we can talk about that later on. But I think it's about you know, esteemable acts create self-esteem. So doing things that you're proud of makes you feel good about who you are. So one of the things that I'm proud of is the fact that I've been showing up online every day for 13 years. That makes you feel good about yourself. Even if you're like, I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have done this and oh my God, what was I wearing or whatever. You still, there's a sense of self-esteem you get just from continuing to do the thing that you want to do. And... It's really been a process to me, you know, writing and then having people appreciate it has made me more confident. Learning to speak to an audience and having them respond has helped me feel confident. And then doing big things like moving to New York by myself and then moving to LA by myself and leaving relationships that were harmful or damaging, that makes you feel good about yourself. So it's really like, you know, it's important to do the things in your life that are scary because that's actually what's going to make you feel good about yourself ultimately.
0: Yeah. It's – how do you get to the point where you take the leap though? Because so many people are – and maybe I've asked this before, but I think it bears asking again because so many of us are teetering on greatness but won't take that step over the line.
1: How do you take that step? You just take the step by taking the step. Just
0: fucking do it. It's
1: really about motivation. And if you want it fucking badly enough, you'll do it. And if you don't, then you won't. And for me, it helps to think about – you know, what do people that I look up to, what have they done in their lives? And, like, they certainly didn't achieve anything by, like, sitting on their couch watching Netflix all day. Right. Even though that's great sometimes. I love doing that at the end of a day. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, what do you want your life to be? And I think the thing that really motivates me is thinking, my life could be so much better than this. What do I need to do to get there? And that was a decision I made back in June or July of last year where I was, like, I've been living in New York for 10 years It's fucking freezing half the year. I pay so much. I have no quality of life. And there's really nothing keeping me here. I've done what I came here to do. I have like two friends that I'll really miss. And other than that, like, I just don't need to be here. So where would I feel better? I feel good every time I go to Los Angeles. Let's just fucking go there and see how it goes. And I booked a one-way ticket to L.A., and I kept my place in New York. I booked a one-way ticket to LA and I stayed in a different Airbnb every week so I could figure out what neighborhoods I liked. And I started looking at places and I walked into this one and I was like, oh, this is my place. And I just applied for it and took it. So I just followed what was making me feel good. I think if you follow what makes you feel good, you really can't go wrong.
0: That's a great tip. I mean, listen, we all spend so much time fighting ourselves. Think mm-hmm. of how great it would be if we just gave ourselves a hug instead
1: (laughs) right like think about how good your life would be if you just allowed yourself to do the things that feel good right and we want what you want and want what you want and stop repressing your desire fuck that and the other thing is that i don't know man we want it to be so complicated like if the secret to life is complicated then we have a really good excuse for not living a great life There are no fucking secrets. You know it all already. Everything that I say, you already know this shit. And it's just a case of whether you're going to act on it or not. It's totally up to you. And only you are responsible for your happiness. And only you are responsible for what you do with your time on the planet. So if you want to do something, do something. And if you don't, it's really, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. If you want to do nothing, do nothing. But I think you'd be happier if you took some risks, took some chances, asked yourself difficult questions and like delighted yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of delighting yourself, you speak a lot about sexuality, which... Oh boy, our culture's got a real issue with repression and I'm Italian Catholic, so don't I know it. My mom was always like, Keep it light, keep it light, just don't do anything till marriage, you'll be happier, it'll be keep great. It light. She would say that. She's like, You can give him a peck on the, the lips, but that's it. I mean, like, you know, she knows everything now. She found my birth control in the trash when I was nineteen. That's another story for another <laughs> time. But you know what most people don't know, and I didn't know until I started going through therapy, is that the chakra that's in charge of creativity is the same one that's in charge of desire and sex so mm-hmm. if you're shutting that shit down for your sexuality guess what's going to happen to your creativity it's also got a cap on it
1: mm-hmm.
0: so how did you get to the point because i know you've also been through assaults which i'm so sorry um but you know you're a survivor and it's very inspiring to other people who've been through the same thing how did you get through healing from that and then reclaiming your sexuality and why is it so important to creativity
1: Oh, these are great questions, Lauren. I'm Um, so glad. (laughs) Let me think about this. What I would say is, so sexuality is a really interesting thing. I was in a relationship where we weren't having a lot of sex and we were in a long uh, relationship for a long time. And what I found during that time, interestingly, was because I wasn't having sex, I was using that energy and pouring it into my business. And my business absolutely exploded in that time. So it's not that you necessarily need to be fucking all over town to be creative, but you need to harness that energy in some way or you're gonna feel very unfulfilled. So I would take all of that passion and excitement and creativity and put it into my work and think, what can I write? What can I make? What can I do? But the other thing I would say is that when i'm having really good sex that also informs my work and it makes me think about things in different ways so it's really a dance and you know you'll probably have times where you are not getting laid much or you're you just don't have any libido or whatever and then you'll have times where it peaks and that's okay but i think i think it's important that women especially learn to express themselves sexually because it's such a part of ourselves that we have shut down and it's so joyful and liberating. And when you feel joyful and liberated, you can't help but to create beautiful things. So a few years ago in New York, I started taking striptease dance classes at a place called Strip Expertise. And it like changed my life. It taught me how to associate with my body joyfully and how to have fun with my body it taught me that like I could actually be really sexy when I wanted to be and those were things like I just wasn't aware of and that was really good for me I feel like everyone should take I don't know about pole dance because like I don't know it's you got to be strong
0: for hard. that. That's the thing. Hold on, I tried hard. it once and I just like I could never climb the rope as a kid, right. I can't do a pull up, so I just was like, uh, I want to feel sexy, but my arms don't work, right?
1: So, a floor work <laughs> class yeah. or a twerking class,
0: where can you find those? Just
1: Google it. There's just a Google there's it. a I went to an amazing twerking class last night and I'm so happy about it, it was <laughs> great. Um, and Yeah, just Google it. There's places everywhere. I think every woman should do at least one twerking class in her lifetime, and she should also take, like, nude photos at least once in her lifetime. Like, go to a boudoir photographer and take amazing photos of yourself. You'll see yourself in a completely different way. And anytime you can change the lens through which you see yourself, the world, other people, it inspires your creativity. It opens you up. It challenges you. It it makes you ask different questions.
0: We'll be right back with Gala. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about a brand that I am absolutely obsessed with. It's called Potion Naturals. Potion is the first and only store for discovering luxurious 100% natural fragrances, which is great because you know I'm all about that toxin-free lifestyle. Because most people don't know it, but the bulk of perfumes these days are made using synthetic ingredients. And many of these ingredients are known toxins and have immediate and long-term health effects ranging from headaches to endocrine disruption and birth defects. So it's really serious. That's why Potion is so great because all perfumes are 100% natural. And on top of that, they're curated from artisan perfumeries around the world. So you don't have to choose between a safe scent and an expertly crafted one. Honey, you can have it all. And maybe what's best about Potion, you can try before you buy. It's like dating for perfumes. They have a sample program where you can try any five fragrances for $25. And when you get the sample pack, you also get a $25 credit toward any full-size perfume. I got the Sweet Sampler because I like to smell like candy. And my favorite scent so far is the Pro Vanilla, which is like a grown-up vanilla. So instead of smelling like you just walked out of a Bath & Body Works, you'll smell like you walked out of a nice spa in... Beverly Hills that uses organic products. And here's a special deal just for your creative soul. For a limited time, go to PotionNaturals.com and use code UNLEASH at checkout for $5 off of any sample pack with free shipping. Get your scent, smell great, be creative. Bye, babe. Back to Gala. So you, t- you talked about tapping earlier. Yes. I want to learn more about this. So what is tapping?
1: So tapping is basically using acupressure, so like acupuncture without needles, combined with positive psychology. And the idea behind tapping is that you are unblocking places in your body where the energy is stuck. So you're dealing with energy systems within your body. And the results of this are really amazing. They've done studies where they do one session of tapping with PTSD Trauma or PTSD victims and it's reduced 60 to 70% after one session. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: And it's a really incredible practice. I literally did one tapping session by myself and got rid of my eating disorder forever.
0: I'm speechless to that. Like if so anyone how, did you
1: teach yourself how to do it? Yes. Yeah, so and anyone can teach themselves. Anyone can teach themselves. But you're also going to be teaching people. But I'm also going to be teaching people. So I learned how to do it from watching a video in 2006. Like, I don't even think there was YouTube in 2006. Maybe there yeah, was. I think it was like a,
0: a baby. It was just recently birthed.
1: Yeah. But I learned how to do it from that and then, yeah, used this tool, which is so simple. Like, if I can watch a video and learn how to do it, anybody can. And, yeah, used it to reverse this eating disorder overnight. So... What I've been doing for the last year is these video sessions on YouTube called High Vibe Honey, where I pull tarot cards for the week, talk about what's coming up, and then we use tapping to unblock the blessings that are coming to us. So, If, for example, I pull a card and I say, great love is coming to you, or your existing relationship is going to deepen and become more beautiful, people can hear that and think, great, but some people are going to hear it and think, well, I don't really deserve it, or I don't know if I believe that, or I don't know if I trust men. So what I do in these videos is I use tapping to undo those beliefs and we just let them go. So I've been teaching people tapping in this sort of covert way. Like <laughs> I get them to see what the cards are and then I'm like, well, if you don't want to like be resistant to this, let's tap on it. And people have been their lives are changed by this. I had a session on the phone with a woman yesterday and she was like, "Hi Five Honey has changed my life. Like I'm a completely different person." She's lost like 75 pounds in the last year and she's so happy and it just, it changes you because it changes your beliefs from the inside out. Like I believe in therapy. I think it's amazing. It's great for figuring out why something happened to you, why you responded this way, why you've attracted these kinds of people into your experience. But tapping is like removing a rotten tooth. It's like taking that belief and literally removing it from your body. Because if you keep that belief there, it's just going to keep rotting and sticking. Or if the
0: root of something nasty is in you, it's going to grow again.
1: Yes, exactly. You have to uproot it. Yeah, it'll change and it'll come out in some other way. Mm -hmm. So this is a way that we can really remove those beliefs from our body. And it's a really incredible technique.
0: And that is starting... Now, like pretty soon, Yeah,
1: so Magnetismo is my tapping class. So every month you're going to get two tapping routines, one on letting go of things and one on allowing new things and inviting new things in.
0: And you teach tons of different classes. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you also teach one on manifestation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something I want to talk about because I feel like maybe – not all of us. I mean, I guess we should explain what manifesting is as well because there will be people in obscure parts of the world listening to this. They're like, yeah. what does it mean to manifest? Right. Like my great aunts, which <laughs> I'm sure they'll be thrilled about the sex part. <laughs> but you, you've got a really great idea of how to do it that I think is original. Like I hadn't heard it before. So could you explain – how you approach manifesting and how a listener can start to learn how to do it?
1: So manifesting to me is about bringing something to fruition. And it's, we have this belief that in order to make things happen in the world, we have to take action. We got to make the phone call. We got to go to the meeting. We got to hound somebody via email. (laughs) And that does work. Absolutely. It works. Like no doubt about it. That works. But we are not just action-oriented physical beings, we are vibrational beings. And the way that we feel reverberates through our lives and it changes the way that people feel about us and it invites different experiences. So my belief is that the better you feel, the faster things will happen for you. And if there's something that you want, it's important to get into vibrational alignment with that thing. So if you really want a new Audi in your driveway, but you don't believe that you deserve that and you can't see yourself driving anything but like a broken down old Volvo, then there's no fucking way it's going to happen because your beliefs are not in alignment with what you want. So we have to get ourselves into alignment with that. And Really, the biggest part of that is just feeling good every day. Like it's your job. It's your job to feel good. Like you may have a job that you go to and that's how you pay your bills, but actually your job is to feel good. And if you don't feel good, to do something that feels good. Because whatever you're getting is more of how you're feeling. If you feel good about the relationship that you're in, then you're going to get more of that. And if you feel shitty about the relationship that you're in, it is only going to get worse. So do what you have to do to feel good about that thing.
0: And then, but you have a really specific way you do it, right? Where you say what you, you're
1: like so happy that you've already achieved it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does that work? So I have this, ta- this technique called the magical morning practice, which I love teaching. And basically what you do, you wake up in the morning, you grab your phone because we all grab our phone in the morning, even though we know we shouldn't. And instead of opening Instagram or your email, you open the voice memos app and you start making a recording. And you're going to make this recording in three parts. The first thing you're going to talk about is what you're grateful for. So the ice cream you had last night, the phone call that you just had, whatever it is. And you're going to talk about that for like a minute to two minutes. And just really feel those feelings. Visualize it as you're speaking about it. Close your eyes, like really feel it while you're speaking about it. The second part of the recording is you're going to talk about your desires for the day. So when I started doing this, it was so interesting because I realized that I didn't really have daily desires. I had a to-do list of things I wanted to get done, but I wasn't ever thinking about what do I really want to experience today? What would make me feel good? What would turn me on? What would be exciting? So you're going to talk about your desires for the day, but you're going to phrase it in the past tense as if it's already happened. Like you're telling the story of your day. So the second part of the recording would go... Oh, I had such a great day. I um, did this really beautiful interview. I met my new personal trainer and he's so cool. I went on this great date with this guy and like we had a really good time, whatever it is. So you talk about your day in detail with putting in whatever you want it to be. And then you talk about your future desire. So that might be a bigger thing, like um, my book's in New York Times bestseller. And again, you're going to talk about it in the past tense, like it's already happened. So I always think of it like you're the grandmother telling the story mm-hmm. on the Titanic. <laughs> it was so long ago. it's um, <laughs> amazing. Right. So you're telling this story like you're telling your grandchildren. So, you know, for your future desire, you might be like, so if my future desire, you know... I had this, I'm so happy that I'm in this beautiful relationship, or I'm so happy that my book became a New York Times bestseller, and now I have my own TV show, and this and that, the other thing, or whatever, and then you finish recording it, and you send it to a friend, and this friend of yours is someone that you know will support you no matter what, so no frenemies, no people who are going to shit on your dreams, and if you don't have anyone in your life like that right now, then just keep it to yourself, it's safer that way, you don't want to send it to someone that's not going to be supportive, And ideally, you send it to a friend, they listen to it, and they send you one back. And this is just something that you do every morning. It really gets you into alignment with what you want and feeling good. And an essential piece of manifesting is gratitude. Like to realize that you already have everything that you want, that you're whole, that you don't actually need anything else, you just get things so quickly. It's unbelievable. Whereas if you're focused on the lack or the scarcity, or I don't have this, it's like you keep holding that thing at an energetic distance. Yeah. I mean, powerful.
0: You know, I when I learned that from you, I thought about this friend of mine who beat stage four uterine cancer. And she would always pray. I mean, she had a different way of doing it, but it's basically the same thing and say, and God, I just want to thank you so much in advance for the fact that I'm healed. She would just keep saying that over and over again. She would walk into the chemo ward and say, oh, I can't believe all these sick people. I feel so bad for them. But she was like, I kept forgetting I was sick. Mm-hmm. And then she beat this terrible disease. Because she thought of herself as already
1: healed. So what you just said is basically the tool to have the life you want. Absolutely. And it's a really unusual thing to do. And sometimes when you first tell people about it, they, they're they sort of confused because we feel like it's so important to be realistic mm-hmm. about what's going on. And to some people, this idea of manifesting an ideal life can feel like you're just being delusional, like you're crazy, you're not seeing what's really happening around you. But my experience has been that the more you focus on what is going on in this moment, you're not going to be able to shift anything, you're not going to be able to change anything. So you really do have to see the world as you want to see it.
0: Yes. And speaking of your books, mm. I'd love to talk a little bit. So you, you have multiple books, correct?
1: I have one book that's out already, and then my second book is being written right now, and I'm releasing one chapter every month because I'm insane.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> special, though. Yeah. That's really cool. So can you tell me about it and what your writing is like? And obviously, it's going to become a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> but, but how did you tackle that, and, and what are your books, and how do they differ from what you put out online?
1: So my first book is called Radical Self-Love, and I self-published it in, I don't even know what year it was, but I self-published it, and then Hay House approached me and said, can we buy the book? And I said, yes. And so it's been published by them and translated into, I think, four or five languages. I'm not totally sure.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. And um, I'm really happy with that book, and it's very much about everything we've been talking about, you know, asking yourself different questions and allowing yourself to see life in a happier, more delicious way. And that book is very, I think of it as being very light, even though the subject matter can be challenging to people and it really changes the way they think about things. It's written like I'm writing a letter to my best friend. It's very conversational. It's fun. It's silly. It's, it's an easy read. And then my next book is called Radical Radiance, How to Make Love to the Universe and Manifest Anything.
0: That sounds great.
1: Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, it's coming out one month at a time. So I'm working on chapter five right now. And, um, yeah, it's really about all these things we've just been talking about. So how do we create this life that we want? What are the tools that we can use? How do we live as if that thing is already happening? And, yeah, the the way that I like to write books is to – give myself insane deadlines like, oh, a thousand people are waiting for me to write this. And if I don't write it, they're going to be mad. So I guess I'll get it done. That's like how I motivate myself to write books.
0: That's how you make love to the universe.
1: Totally. Give yourself a deadline. (laughs) You know, you've talked
0: a lot about your eating disorder. That's Mm -hmm. something I think all women deal with on some level. I used to make myself throw up when I was younger. And Mm -hmm. we all have a lot of self-hatred about our bodies. That's super unhealthy. If you have anything in your life, because to me, an eating disorder is sort of an addiction, Mm -hmm. just like addiction comes in many forms. Yeah. But if we have some sort of addiction or addictive behavior in our life, how do we, first of all, spot it and then take that energy and turn it into something positive? I mean, I know you said tapping was really helpful, but I think those things are often distractions to
1: what our real purpose is. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting question. One of my favorite books that I read last year was Recovery by Russell Brand. Have you read that? No. Oh, everyone needs to read okay. this book. And it's about addiction in all forms. And his theory is basically that everybody's addicted to something. And it's just a case of whether you notice it or not. And he he said at some point, he was like, you know, I was lucky that my addictions were like, you know, crack and heroin. Because when it's a problem, you know it's a problem really quickly. It's Obvious, your life is fucked. But if your addiction is sex or money or power or food, you may never know that that's what your addiction is. And I have found that people with an addictive personality, quote unquote, you know, people who have had serious drug addiction or anything like that, I find that when they do recover, that energy doesn't go away, it really does get channeled into something else. And the way that you pu- you pursue, you know, a crack rock or a speedball or something, you will still have that drive, but you'll just put it into something different. So whether it's art, or it's decorating your house, or volunteering or something like that, you know, there's a million different ways to transmute that energy. But I think in a lot of ways, that kind of energy is a gift, but we need to know how to harness it so Mm -hmm. it doesn't destroy us.
0: One of my favorite things to say, and I think it's so true, is the best thing and the worst thing about you are usually the same. Mm. And so you just have to use it for good. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I think about my inner child like all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And so something I've been really interested in is asking people about their inner child. Mm-hmm. And and so I wonder if you had a meeting with your
1: five-year-old self, yeah. what would you say to her and why? I would just tell her she's doing such a great job and to keep dreaming and keep being as imaginative and creative as possible and... To never give a fuck what other people think. And I, you know, was talking about this on my Instagram yesterday. I was like, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in your life? And the biggest lesson I've learned is that I am most happy, most joyful and most prosperous when I'm being myself and not making excuses and following those crazy little desires that I have. And then the flip side of that is anytime I try to change to make someone happy, it never works never works. And so I would just remind her of those things. I've had so many experiences in my life, particularly with men where I've tried to change to please them or to be something I thought would make them happy. The kicker with that is, and this is something that my favorite teacher, Abraham Hicks says, she talks about how when we get into a relationship we become less interested in pleasing ourselves and we get more interested in pleasing the other person and the closer we try to move to them to please them the further away we move from ourselves and the result of that is the other person isn't pleased cuz we are not pleased have you ever been around someone who's trying to please you but you can tell they fucking hate their life you're not happy you're not happy. So really the key to everything is making ourselves happy first. And that stuff radiates. And then you will attract someone that loves you the way that you are. But the more that you try to twist and contort and be this person that they think they want, they actually don't want that. They want you as you are, but it depends. I mean, you really have to be with someone who is a conscious individual who understands that criticizing you is never going to get either of you to a happier place. Right. You have to be on the same spiritual path as your partner. You really do. You really do. And there's so many people in the world who, you know, are seem to be great people, but are just not a good match for you. And even though you may be so in love with them, you may think they're so incredible, you have to be able to look very clearly at what would your life really be like with this person. What would it be like to live in their house with them? What are their standards? What are their beliefs? Are they honest? Do they have good integrity? Are they too proud to ask for help? All of those things are going to impact your life deeply.
0: Mm. I think it's such a mistake that we make is staying with someone because we love them, Mm. which it's hard. I mean, it's like, how do you walk away from love? But if you're not on the same spiritual path as someone,
1: It doesn't have a future. It doesn't have roots that you want to grow. Right. And you have to love yourself more than you love the relationship and recognize that being in a relationship that causes you pain or keeps you smaller than you know you could be is only going to lead to more pain. Yeah. And that's very hard to do. But I think the other thing to keep in mind too is that our intuition is always on point. I had a situation a few years ago where I met a guy and I immediately like didn't vibe with him. I was like, this is not a thing. He gave me such a bad energy when we first met, but I thought he was like so attractive (laughs) that that night I was out with some friends and I was like, I don't really like him, but I think I just want to sleep with him for the experience. Like I think that would be amazing. And then, of course, you end up in a relationship because, like, the sex is good or whatever. And then…
0: And one thing always leads to another.
1: Totally. Yeah. But, you know, when I look back on it now, it's like we were so clearly a mismatch. I knew it from the first time I met him. But I was like, oh, this could be interesting. But just like you were (laughs) saying, right? Like, the best thing about yourself and the worst thing about yourself are the same thing. Right. My curiosity is the best thing about me and it also gets me in a bunch of shit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But knowing that is powerful. Yes. And you can always learn from these experiences, right? Like there is no failure, really. It's about what was the experience and what did you learn? I know. People are
0: so fatalistic about life in general, but especially about relationships. And it's like just because you broke up with someone doesn't mean you didn't have a beautiful, amazing experience with them.
1: Absolutely. And you learned so
0: much and you affected each other's lives. Like that in and of itself is a success.
1: I don't think, I mean, there's definitely a belief that, like, in order for a relationship to be a success, you have to be together till you're 93 and one of you dies. Right. Preferably while holding your hands. Not like it's
0: always a Supreme Court here, guys.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I don't believe that. I think any relationship is a success where you've learned something and you've grown. And why should you stay with one person forever? I don't know that that's how it's supposed to be. Because you're many different people throughout your lifetime as you evolve. Right. Like the odds of being with someone who's going to evolve at the exact same rate as you and want the exact same things as you is... Ridiculous, And yeah. there's so much freedom in being by yourself. You get to do whatever the fuck you like. It's a beautiful thing. And we have to resist that grass is always greener thing where you're single and you want to be in a relationship and then you're in a relationship and you want to be single. As much as we can, we need to enjoy the moment we're in right now because this is all we have.
0: Right. You, and you talked about that on your Instagram, I think maybe today or yesterday, but you said you can't have a happy ending to an unhappy journey. Mm. And so many of us struggle with the pain of having that – you have an idea – And then you don't know how to exist in between the idea and the manifestation. And so that is so powerful because so much of life is in those in-between moments. And if you're miserable the whole time, you
1: miss life. That's the thing. And the other thing is that sometimes when you get the thing that you really want, you (laughs) realize it really ain't shit. And actually, it's the idea of the thing And the attaining of the thing that's the most exciting thing. Once you get the thing, you're usually like, oh, whatever. I don't really care about this. And famous people know this. They're like, I want to be famous. I want to be wealthy. I want everyone to know who I am. They get it and they're like, fuck, this isn't what I thought it would be. And then you have the option to like delve into yourself and like really make yourself happy.
0: So speaking of making yourself happy. Yeah. I want to go back to this five-year-old. Okay. If your five-year-old self was standing in front of you, Mm. what do you think she would say to you? About who you are and what you're doing,
1: I think she'd be so excited. That's amazing. How could she? I just not got be, chills. How could she not be excited? I'm excited for me. Like I walk around my house every day, and I am so deeply thankful for the life that I have. It's so beyond the comprehension of like my 23 year old self who worked in like a lush cosmetic store and was like chain smoking every day.
0: <laughs> I think though that's a huge thing. I think about. I almost think about. Like my little self is my daughter and I want to protect her and make sure that I provide a life for her that she wants. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's a great way when you're starting to feel – because people get weird about feeling selfish about their creative life or their dreams. When you start to feel that way, just think of her. Totally. And when you also when you're trying to be mean to yourself and have terrible like, you know, mental violence and terrible self-talk, think about if you'd speak to her that way. Mm -hmm.
1: And speak to her with love. A really beautiful practice is to have a photo of yourself as a five-year-old by your bed and every night and every morning you just like look at the picture and you say, I love you. Like, I'm going to look after you. I'm going to do everything I can.
0: Thank you to Gala Darling for her powerful insight on creativity and life in general. For more info on Gala, follow her at Gala Darling and check out her website, galadarling.com. It's got all the info on her, her books, and her classes, including the tapping one. Thank you so much to our music composer, Liz Full. Follow her at Liz Full. Thanks to Ashley Daniels for your continued creative consulting. You can follow her at Miss Ashley Daniels. Thank you to my co producer, Juliette Weber. Follow her at Bonjour Juliet. And to you, Thank you so much for listening and for your incredible support. I cannot tell you how much all the messages, comments, and reposts mean. You can keep in touch with me at Lauren LaGrasso and join our community by following at UnleashYourInnerCreative on Instagram and Your inner Creative on Twitter. That's at you are inner Creative. I am so excited to build this community. I want it to be a place where we can unabashedly share what's new and exciting in our creative lives and also lend support and belief to anyone who needs it in order to create and complete a project. You deserve to get your ideas out there. I believe in you. Talk next week.